Welcome to the Global Wellness HQ family of podcasts. We are your international headquarters for resources and ideas and insight in relation to the nine elements of holistic wellness. Join us as we interview local and international wellness experts and learn how you can implement and improve one element or dimension of wellness at a time. Our experts will share their practical tips on wellness in one of these core areas. Emotional, intellectual, occupational, physical, environmental, financial, spiritual, social, or habitual. We created our family of podcasts as a resource for anyone who is looking to integrate the nine elements of holistic wellness into their daily lives. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm excited. I have my new friend, Kyle Gillette, with me. And Kyle and I are going to talk about um, blue shirt coaching. We're going to talk about frameworks and models. Um, but first of all, Kyle, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about what you do? Sure. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm Kyle Gillette, and I run the business Blue Shirt Coaching, and it came out of a kind of a interesting long story that I'll keep keep very brief here. I used to run a men's mentoring program uh, for nine and a half years. I helped guys that were off track in life, 18 and 25, get traction again. And when my wife and family and I moved up to the Pacific Northwest, I went, man, I want to keep making an impact on the world. Where's the best place to do that? And I didn't have an answer for about four years. And then I recognized that, oh, business owners have a lot of influence in this country and elsewhere. And so I started to get the the training together, get the certifications together, but ultimately just put together my own experiences plus the training and went, I'm going to start my own business. And the first, the first thing I ever did was a complete and utter failure. <laughs> it was a disc workshop where I was literally dripping with sweat and it was a mess, but I was hooked. I was hooked on helping people in all kinds of different ways. And so now I'm really helping people that are self-sabotaging and, and limiting themselves with their own beliefs about what's possible in their business and not allowing themselves to go after what they really want. So I help them break through that trash, that baggage and I do it in six hours or less. And so then they have the freedom now to move forward in their business in really powerful ways with clarity of mind and clarity of purpose. I love it. Now, I'm going to ask you the hard biting questions and then we'll get into the fun ones. But um, one of the things I think, you know, we talk about empowering others. What does that mean to you? Oh, do you want the short answer or the long answer on this one? I want the long answer, honestly, because I think empowering, okay. you know, it, it's a word that comes up a lot. And by the way, I'd love it if you can tell me the opposite of empowering, because um, disempowering feels like I made it up. Yeah, yeah. So I'll start with that. To me, disempowering or not empowering is doing the work yourself, is having all the answers, is opening your shirt and everybody sees the Superman si signal or si symbol there. And they're like, Oh, okay. He's going to be the hero. So empowering is allowing somebody else to be the hero, allowing you to be the guide instead of the hero. So every, every story always has a great guide, right? The hero is the main character, but they always have a guide. And as a leader, we need to be the guide versus the superhero. And when we do that, now we're actually empowering people. And for me, there's a five-step process that I've learned. I've, a lot of my business and a lot of my coaching is modeled after people that have been highly, highly successful in what they do. 
And I've taken a lot of things that I've learned about empowerment and put it into this five part process. And before the, this episode, you and I were talking about uh, Blue Shirt Guy from Free Guy, the movie, which I still haven't seen. So that's not where my name comes from. But um, in that in that movie, it sounds like your kids really like it. And so they're very uh, riveted. They're very fascinated by it. And they expect to have a good time. They expect to enjoy the movie. And for me, if you think about the movies that you've watched, the TV shows that you've watched that were just amazing and really interesting, you expect to have a good time. You expect to enjoy it. When it comes to empowerment, that's the first step we need to have with the people that we lead. We expect them to, to be really good at what they do. We expect them to produce results. We expect them to be fascinating and have innovative and creative ideas. If you start there, then you're setting your unconscious mind on a path towards catching those things. Every, every second, there's 2 million bits of information that our unconscious mind has to filter, but we can only grab a hold of 126 of those bits. That's it. And so if you set your mind on, hey, Susie is a crappy employee or your daughter or your son is having a is really frustrating to you, then that's the focus you're going to have. And your brain's going to feed you that new truth that you've stated for it. But if you go, you know, my daughter, Haley, she's she's great at actually listening. If I could just catch it, if I could catch that she's really paying attention. Now, my perspective on her is going to be changed. Right. So being intentional about what you expect is a first step to empowerment and grabbing that information that comes at you. Uh, the second is to study. And when I say study, I mean, study the people that you're leading, study the people that you want to empower, get to know their personality type, get to know how they're wired, what, what drives them, what doesn't drive them, how they like to be communicated to, how they don't want to be communicated to really study that. And you can do it simply by observation, but observation requires that you close your mouth. <laughs> you just pay attention and be intentional to pay attention. So if you're already expecting them to be innovative, creative, and fascinating, it's a lot easier to be curious and study them and pay attention. If you put those two together, now it's easier to listen. And then when you're listening, you can ask powerful questions. So the third step is to ask those powerful questions. And that that's really the heart of it. And it is the middle of the five that unlocks them to be empowered. A simple question they might people are like, well, what's, what are some questions you can ask? Someone comes to you with a problem in your workplace, dealing with a customer issue, dealing with a sales issue, dealing with a project issue, whatever it is, they're coming to you. And what do we usually do? We put on the Superman cape. That's what we usually do. We come up with the solutions. Instead, you ask a four-word question and you flip the tables and you say, what do you think? That's it. What do you think? And they may have a crappy answer. They may have a brilliant answer, but it doesn't matter because over here, you've already assumed that they're innovative and creative and you've studied them. And so you, now you know how to have the conversation with them to draw out the insight. You do that consistently. And to not belabor this too much, I've got a lot of stories of clients that have done this and it's totally flipped their leadership. That simple forward question has yeah. catalyzed a bunch of other questions, of course. Now that they're now that the employee or the person that you're empowering is answering the question instead of you giving them the solution, now you can turn up the accountability. Because when I come up with an answer, when I come up with a solution to something, the level of ownership and accountability I have is a lot higher. And then finally, you celebrate. Fifth step is to celebrate. 
Celebrate the successes and the setbacks, especially the setbacks, because the moment you crush them when they don't succeed because they screwed up in some way, shape or form, that's the that's when they quit trusting you. And that's when they're not going to take as much ownership and their innovation and creativity is going to fade and you're going to lose that rapport that is vitally necessary for empowering people. So those are the five steps. I love that. Now, I'm going to go back to a couple of them because I think this is a fascinating conversation. Um, one of the things I suspect a lot of people will trip on first is the research part because um, I see a lot of people who are not necessarily self-aware. They've been promoted above their own self-awareness. Um, what are some ideas? And and I love that. What are some questions we can be asking ourselves to better understand the people we work with. And do you recommend some, some assessments or tools that, you know, a, a leader might implement to help their team understand each other better? Yeah, there's, for me, when it comes to assessments, to answer that question first is I love using DISC. All of my clients, when they start working with me, they take a DISC assessment and a motivators assessment. So DISC is a reflection of the habits of and the behaviors of the person. And then motivators is the thinking patterns. So you can you can put this out there to your team and it's not very expensive and have these reports and people start to realize their general wiring. Now, is it hard and fast in terms of it's exactly who this person is? Nope, but they're really accurate, especially if you have someone interpret it that knows what they're doing. They're super accurate. Myers-Briggs is another good tool. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I got to pause you there, Kyle, because I think that's the key. Um, I once worked at an organization where we got the discount version of DISC and, you know, basically it was the do it yourself. And one of my colleagues received a comment um, that she can be abrasive under pressure. And she read that report. Um, we had some junior you know, it was like literally the boss's nephew or cousin or something. And he came in and it was his first time. And we were in the middle of deadlines. He sat down and she's like this, you know, <laughs> arms crossed. You can see the steam. And he made the mistake of saying, anyone have any questions before we start? And the poor guy didn't realize he was about to get ripped to shreds. Um, her starting question was, you called me a bitch. What the hell's wrong with you? And I was like, hmm, I feel like the shoe might fit, but, uh, you know, we're all <laughs> flipping to the report going, oh, my God, I can't believe you. Know, but the key there was, you know, an amateur trying to interpret those results should have known or wouldn't have known that that was going to come up early. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And you know, that would be a fun question for me because it would be something fun to throw back at her. Well, well how do you interpret what that means? Or if, if there is any sort of truth to that, what would that mean for you? And how would that change your behaviors if you knew that was the perspective that other people have about you? Right. Yeah. So that kind of stuff is is fun. Um, but uh, so when it comes I think to he went and got a job at McDonald's after that, <laughs> he, was, he left consulting. I know that much. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's not a simple world, the consulting world, because you got to push into people kind of hard, but you have to do it with rapport first, right? You have to yeah. build that relationship so you can say the harsh things because my clients need to hear the harsh things from me, but they trust me first. And that's, I think that's really important. Uh, 
when it comes to the to this building your own self-awareness a lot of it is is not talking i i obviously i've already emphasized that a few times because we need to take the time to reflect on who we are and what we're about in in the world of of ourselves there's the being there's the doing and there's the having and in the business world there's a lot of doing and having but not a lot of being and what i mean by that is the having is the getting the getting the results the getting the cars the getting the new clients the getting the the house or whatever it is you're trying to get and then the doing is obviously the work to get the getting but the being is who am I? Who am I? What what am I meant to be? What how am I designed to to do this life? And what work is my mission and my purpose? Right. And and that might be a little up in the clouds for some people. But the reason so many people are stuck and frustrated, even if they've achieved a lot, is because they haven't embraced who they're who they're meant to be and like their real wiring. So the assessments help with that. But being reflective, journaling being really vulnerable with other people and being quiet and and taking the time to think about yourself and how you impact other people all that is is really powerful and i have some tools um, at the end of the episode I'll, I'll share a tool at the end that's really helpful for this awesome so sorry i took you on a little tangent but i think that's um you know when people i i hear people saying well i took disc and it didn't help well a DIY version of disc is, you know, how, how thick, and it's usually based on you. And then you got to figure out what that looks like. Um, whereas I've seen the full team reports, which again, in the hands of an amateur, whether it's me or an, a brand new consultant, um, it's more of a, a beating stick to beat your staff than anything. So um, now you were talking about Myers-Briggs, so I'll let you recontinue the conversation there. Sure. I, I am very vaguely familiar with Myers-Briggs, but I know it's a very good tool uh, that that people use. So if DISC is a is a, a turnoff for some people, Myers-Briggs can be very helpful for that purpose. The main, the main thing about any of these assessments isn't the actual assessment. It's having someone that knows what they're doing with it to help you to understand what it means for you and what it means for those that you're impacting, right? It's it's a tool for creating more emotional intelligence because that's what self-awareness really is. It's emotional intelligence. So whatever tools you have or whatever conversations you can have to up-level your, your awareness of how you're impacting others and how they're impacting you is, is huge. And sometimes what you can do is just take a day to really intentionally watch people's body language. And watch your own. Just take a whole day where where your main focus for that day, especially if you have a lot of meetings that day, and and in person, is even more helpful. Just go. What? How are they reacting me to me? You know what? What is their body language? Are they leaning into me? Are they leaning away from me? They're crossing their arms. Are are they mirroring me? Are they not mirroring me? Those are the types of things that help you to know what kind of a connection you have with people. And if you notice. There's a lot of standoff-ishness, that's a word, <laughs> then, <laughs> then that means that you're not really aware of how you're impacting people, but but now you are at least a little bit more than you continue to go down that path. And there's obviously there's tools and all kinds of things to help you there. I, I love it. And I mean, obviously, that's why the first step is you have to be self-aware. Um, if you're not self-aware, how can you become aware of others? Is that a fair statement? Yes. Yeah. 
All right. So you were talking about your your blue shirt leadership framework. I love that. Um, now we talked about beings. Oh, let's come back to that for a second. Um, are there any tools that you or questions, I guess, is, is where I would go um, to help somebody guide them to becoming self-aware? Yeah. So the tool that I use every week on Saturdays is called a MOLO. And it's it's five questions and it's a way for you to reflect on your week. And you ask yourself in a, a very particular area, what should I do more of? That's the MO of MOLO. What should I do less of? That's the LO of MOLO. And then what should I start doing? What should I keep doing? What should I stop doing? You ask yourself those five questions in a very particular area. And if you do this over time, I've been doing it for five years. There's this, this new awareness that comes because you're reflecting every week on how the week went. And if you don't want to use those five questions, that's fine. It's just a matter of spending 15, 20 minutes to look back on your week and go, huh, what, what, what do I want to do more of in a particular area? And last, I think I talked for me on Saturday was about sales. I just was focused on sales for whatever reason for Saturday. And so I asked myself those five questions and you get insights because we are brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, you're brilliant. I'm brilliant. All the listeners are truly brilliant. If we take the time to slow down and that goes all the way back to empowerment, empowering yourselves, expect to get some insight about yourself and you'll get it. You know, if you're beating yourself up, it's not going to work. So uh, that's, that's one really powerful tool. Um, I also recommend journaling. Uh, I'm a journaler. I, I do that every day and I've been doing it since I was 16. And then journaling has evolved over time because I've grown older and I have a wife and kids now. So things have changed, but you know, write one sentence. And if you're a a man out there and you're like, that's sissy crap or whatever, well, shut up and write down your thoughts because it'll change your life. I guarantee it. (laughs) So (laughs) Kyle, that wasn't very empowering, was it? No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) You and I are cut from the same cloth. I'm addicted to journals and um, I even create my own because I, I didn't find one that I liked. So I created my own. Um, one of my favorite journals, um, I love uh, the bullet journal method, and I'm a big, big fan of, um, uh, what's his name, sorry, uh, John Lee Dumas. He's got a something called the Freedom Journal and a 100-day business growth journal or something like that. Um, it blends journaling with accountability, which makes it very fun for guys because we get to check the boxes every day and say, I did it. So it gives us <laughs> a little hit of uh, adrenaline or endorphins or whatever it is. But um, yeah, that's one of my weird little things is, and you know, I create my own, this is my version of my bullet journal. That's cool. Um, and I even have like, you know, my favorite poem on the back and things. Um, but here's the thing. I'm going to give my two cents. Um, if you're going to journal, and and I believe you should, or I believe it's helpful, um, take the time to find a journal that you like, because if you don't like it, you're not going to do it. And mine, it's so customized, it fits into a little satchel that I carry with me wherever I go. Um, I built the journal based on the satchel. Huh. So I have a awesome. weird hobby. Don't don't ask uh, if if. Um, but I I think journaling is a, an underrated skill set. Oh yeah. And 
you know, one of the things I've observed, I'm way smarter when I write something down and then come back the next week and look at it and go, ah, what, what did I learn from that? So, and by the way, I love your five questions. Um, I use a, a traffic light system and, and I've got red, yellow, green, and yeah. red is what should I stop doing? Yellow is what can I do better or continue doing? And green is what's going well. And, you know, there's a gratitude element. So awesome. you and I are so parallel. I just had to interrupt. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. <laughs> and and the what I did also is I'm I'm really practical, really basic, right? So I love what you're doing there. For me, though, a better fit is the digital. Just I literally use my Apple notes, right? So I can journal at any time and people think I'm texting and I can be over here having this powerful conversation with myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's really, to me, that's what a journal is is for, is it's three-dimensional thinking. And, and you made the perfect point, which is you write it down because we're two-dimensional all the time in our heads. We hear our own voice, we think about it, hear our own voice, think about it back and forth. But when you write it down, you go back to it. Now you've got this new angle, which is that third dimension of thinking about whatever it is that you're writing about. And that, I mean, if you go and talk to a pole every day after work, like literally you go walk up to a pole and tell that pole about your day, you're going to have a more, you're going to be clearer and be better off than if you hadn't said nothing. So you might as well journal it out and that will create self-awareness. And just imagine the difference that doing that for just 90 days will make in your life and how much that impacts the growth of your business, the growth of your leadership, your relationships. I mean, there's, there is zero drawback to this. And Kyle, I'll share my journaling process with you because it might spark something. Um, I get distracted on my phone yeah. and shiny objects and squirrels. Um, when I'm, for example, I go pick up my kids. I just have this with me. I leave my phone un you know it's in my pocket or wherever um but, but this is the random thoughts and i call this where my ideation space where i create ideas and then at the end of the week i go through and i tag things and then they go into my digital brain which i use the software thebrain.com um and then that's where i start to turn those random stray thoughts into themes and um, I'm now getting better at dropping those into AI and saying, could you sort these and, and lump like together? And then I put it back into my, my digital brain. And then I start to say, okay, um, this is something I need to focus on for next week. This is something parking lot. Um, you and I could have an entire conversation on journaling. <laughs> um, I've literally read every book I can find on journaling including a really strange Swedish one translated to English. Um, I think the original version must have been better because the English one, the translation hurt my head. Um, <laughs> but I, I've studied um, one of my weird topics. Um, it's called Zeitelkasten, which is, you know, a German note-taking system. Um, I love the concept of journaling because it's, you know, I always try to have the tools to help me brainstorm. Yep. Love it. And um, people laugh at me, but I always walk around with post-it notes and, and markers because, you know, sometimes I just have these little things and I write it down and then I put it in my journal and then I'm like, is that a thing I want to expand? Um, sometimes I look at it and go, what was that crazy guy talking about? But 
I yep. talked to my Love pole it. a lot there, Kyle. Right. I mentioned the pole. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, we went on a tangent, people. But, you know, the reality is I think personally journaling is a big element of, of that self-awareness. And for me, it holds me accountable. Yep. Well, and I think when you get to this new degree of self-awareness and and one of the things that I'm doing with my clients is I, I walk them through, and I mentioned that six hours or less thing at the beginning, I walk them through a, two different sessions, they're three hours each that dives into a particular area of life. And we get through all the stuff that's in the way of them excelling in that area. You know, maybe it's physical health or it's your career or it's a relationship, whatever. We get through all the junk that's in the way that's preventing you from getting to this next level. You get that clarity. But then to me, the next layer of self-awareness is what's called a personal avatar. And you design this personal avatar for yourself. We're not talking about a, a customer avatar. We're talking about a personal avatar. And you go forward five to 10 years. And you go, okay, 10 years from now, this is what my life's going to look like spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. And you write out a few paragraphs on each of those areas. And every day you're reflecting on that and you're putting that into your future. And there's a very specific process I walk people through to truly embed it into their unconscious mind. So the unconscious mind goes and gets it. Uh, but that's how, that's really kind of the, the, true evolution of creating better self-awareness for yourself because your conscious mind is the goal setter, but your unconscious mind is the goal getter is, is something that I've heard many times. And I really love that. But if you're not clear of all the junk that's in the way, you're not going to set a very good goal. So you have to clear out all the junk in that particular area before you can have the clarity of mind to set that future version of yourself out there for yourself. <laughs> I love that. And I think that's um, a lot of people don't want to clear that junk. And, you know, I, I'm loving the idea of having that avatar. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of vision boards because, you know, I believe that, you know, before we can create something, we first need to create it in our minds. Yep. We need to conceive of the idea. And then once we believe it's possible, then we achieve it. Um I love the idea of that personal avatar because so many people just kind of go through life, you know, drifting like a stick on a river and, you know, they get to the end and they're like, that wasn't exactly what I envisioned. Yep. Cause it didn't have a vision. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, and it doesn't take long. I mean, I created my, I've done this a few times, but this, this time I, you know, I've learned some more about how to do it. And this time when I did it, it was like 20 minutes, but the process of of installing it into my future is the new part. People, you know, vision boards are wonderful, but how have you installed that into your future? That's the part that a lot of people miss. They just look at their board, which is good, but placing it in the timeline of your future is what is key here. That is the next layer to that self-awareness and that self-actualization, if you will. I love that. All right, we went on tangents. Now uh, I'll let you rein me back in and we'll come back to it. Um, I think we were talking about accountability. Um, would you mind defining that for people? Because I think that's the uh, L of your model, which is lead with accountability. Um, so let's talk about how we can hold ourselves accountable, how we can hold others accountable. 
Yeah. So we need to be the example first, obviously, if we're going to expect other people to be accountable, then we have to be the example. And for me, accountability is, is integrity to do what you say you're going to do and how you're going to do it and when you're going to do it. Right. So in, accountability is follow through. Are you count on a bowl is, is really the question to answer. If you're accountable, then you're count on a bowl and great. Then, then that means you're accountable. Now there's a there is another acronym here built within the lead with accountability acronym and that that is pass p a s s. So uh, Jeff do you have do you have a kind of a lofty or a big goal you want to accomplish next year and within the next, you know, 6 months? I always do, Kyle. So <laughs> I figure <laughs> My my little goal for next year is I want to build a universe of experts who support local businesses. And, you know, it's um, I want to bring together the biggest, best minds and introduce them to the local businesses, um, because one of the things I think about is a lot of local businesses don't know where to go for help. So awesome. I, I, I was going to build a global resource directory and I decided I'm going global. Why not universe? <laughs> just a little goal for for next yeah. year not a yeah. not a huge deal so that's deal. 2024 um q one and two by the way <laughs> awesome and then q three and four is going to be the other universes in our multiverse and we'll be set <laughs> yeah then we'll get into multiverses and things like that but for now i want to focus on 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 this universe as we know it so all jokes aside i know it's a serious goal and it's a wonderful goal and the P in accountability passes for passive accountability. So we just illustrated passive accountability. Jeff, you put that goal out there to the universe. You put that goal out there to the people that are listening to this. And I'm sure you've shared it with other people besides me. Now, what happens is your brain goes, oh, that's what you want to do. And now it starts going after it, right? It's the goal. Your unconscious mind is the goal getter. You've set it. Now it's the goal getter. That's part of your passive accountability. But the second part is you've told me and you've told probably dozens of other people. Now, some of those people are going to care enough to follow up with you, or they'll have the time to follow up with you. When they follow up with you, that creates more passive accountability because you know, some of them will follow up. You're like, crap, I better, I better fall through on this goal. And yep. so we are all self-motivated to some degree or another, but the passive accountability can catalyze that a bit more. From those people that follow up with you, you now go to the A in pass, which stands for active accountability. And that is, Somebody follows up with you. Let's say, what's your best friend's name or a close friend's name? Uh, in this case, I'm going to say I've got, um, let's say Hamish. He's going to be kicking my butt on this. Okay, awesome. So Hamish follows up with you and you say, hey, Hamish, would it be all right for us to meet on a weekly basis to talk about the goals that you have and the goals that I have to keep each other accountable to making sure we follow through? Right. So you're creating a mini mastermind, basically, and you're obviously creating accountability and it's active because you're intentionally asking for it and then intentionally doing the follow up and also receiving the follow up. And it's an exchange. So that's the A. The, the first S is structures. And we've already kind of touched on this a little bit when you mentioned that brain website. Uh, it's the to do list. One piece of the structures is your to do list. And that's your plan. And there's I could give you the stats behind this. If you walk through this process, you're, the likelihood of success is 75% to 95%. So mm -hmm. uh, research behind it, uh, Michigan State is who did the research. But when you when you do the structures, there's kind of two different types, to-do list and then your calendar. 
there's all kinds of other structures you can put in place, but those are two yeah, broad yeah. categories. The to-do list is the things, and then the calendar is the people. And this is what we need <laughs> to achieve <laughs> what we want, the people and then the things. And so when you separate them out so you can look at them kind of from from different angle and approach the people differently than you approach the things because that's really important because people aren't things <laughs> then this creates great structure and, and a great plan to accomplish what accomplish what you want lastly is self-accountability so this goes back to self-awareness and empowering yourself and jeff have you ever jumped out of an airplane uh not on purpose and i don't plan on it but uh, okay. i <laughs> Have I you think it's a perfectly good airplane. I'm going to stay in my seat. Okay. Have you ziplined or uh, bungee, bungee jumped? Um, no, I like my feet on the ground. Okay. I know you're trying pretend I have because I okay. know you want to. That's fine. So I'll tell, I'll tell my own story. Um, what my honeymoon was in Costa Rica and we did the zipline. And one of the, the, the longest zipline distance was a thousand feet, which was freaking awesome. You're over this canopy. You're like 150 feet over this canopy of, of trees and you're just ziplining along the way. The thing about a zipline is once you're on your journey to do it, you can't return back to the ground. You're, you're in the middle of a forest. <laughs> There's no way you're going back. You are going. And so this is what self-accountability is all about is what is that point of no return? in your life so that this goal for the unit this universal uh connection for for businesses what is that point of no return where you've committed so much so that you can't you can't go back right that's self-accountability so that's going to be unique for everyone for every situation but if you don't deploy that part into this it's easy to kind of push away so we need to have that no return for me is when my my wife who was a nurse quit nursing and i became the sole income winner for this biz for this family right so that that was a point of no return for our family and we need that if we really want to accomplish the things we want to accomplish and stay accountable to them so that's the four passive active structures and self love it and i think that's you know again designing our life with intention versus you know, drifting along and hoping for the best. Um, I can't remember where, but somebody in my world said hope is not a strategy. Um, you know, I can't say it better than that. Um, now let's talk about you. So we're we're spelling out blue here. You is use a growth mindset. So um, I love this conversation. What are some ways somebody might develop their mindset if they don't have one? Or maybe it's not as growth minded as, as, because one of the things I find is a lot of people think they have a growth mindset. They think they're an optimist, but when you listen to them, you hear their language, they've really got a syntax of scarcity. Yeah. The people you surround yourself with make a, makes a big difference. So I went to a two week training uh, just a few days ago. And it was in Phoenix and it was a really, really intense training on uh, neuro-linguistic programming. And it was, it was amazing. I learned so much and there were 70 people there and there was maybe three people there that didn't have a growth mindset. You talk about shifting my mindset, being around that many people. It was 10 hours a day for two weeks that's 150 hours or 140 hours. And then we met on breaks. I went out to dinner with folks. I met, had lunch with people. I mean, it was intense. So 
you need an example in order to know whether you have that growth mindset or not. So that's that's one piece is surround yourself with people that that have a growth mindset. The second would be gratitude. Use that journal to put in the things you're grateful for. That will help you to have a growth mindset. It will push you forward in a way that that you're not. And then the, the third is your language. NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. So the language that we use programs us to behave in the ways that we want to behave. And when you use language that's negative, you're not going to have a growth mindset. When you use language that's abundant, you're going to have an abundant mindset and a growth mindset. So in, in my book, uh, I published it in October. And in my book, I talk about the growth mindset and I share five mindsets that that you need to have to maintain a growth mindset. Lots of lots of mindset. <laughs> um, and I, I want people to picture a growth SUV. It's an SUV because SUVs fit on the road and off the road. And in life, that's what we experience. We experience smooth sailing on the freeways. And then we experience the dirt roads. And then we ex experience the rocky, rough terrain. But a great SUV can handle all of that. And if you picture it's a five-seater. And in the back seat, you've got risk. Risk is your first mindset. In the back, it's like, let's do it. We can get over that rock. We can get over that peak. Let's go. Let's go. In the middle sits the learner mindset. And so you look back in the mirror, in that rear view mirror, and you look at that learner mindset. You go, what did we learn from taking that risk? What did we learn from that success or that failure? And then sitting on the other side in the back is the persistent mindset. As you're struggling through the risks and you're learning from it, the persistent mindset says, keep going. Let's, we can keep on going. We're learning from this. Let's keep going. And then sitting shotgun is the sales mindset. The sales says, hey, you know, if you, uh, if you go and have this conversation or if you go and do this thing, you're going to keep growing. There's opportunities here. It's the one that's con consistently pitching you in your head. And then finally, the, the driver is the abundance mindset. If you don't have that abundance in mind and it's not driving you, I don't care how good of a salesperson you are, you're not going to be, be able to persuade yourself because you you, you don't, you're, there's a scarcity. And so you don't think even if the sales pitch is great that you're giving yourself, or if the risk is low, if you don't have an abundance thought that there's a chance for you in that thing that you're pursuing or in that conversation or in that relationship, you won't go after it. So abundance has to sit in the driver's seat. You put all that together and your mindset is going to continue to be driving forward no matter the circumstances. You're going to be continuing to grow no matter the circumstances. There will be setbacks. You're going to get a flat tire here and there, right? But that's how, that's how it works. Love it. Love it. All right. Now, I think we're at, and by the way, I want to underline that, you know, my first reaction is two weeks, 10 hours a day. Um, that sounds exciting. And I will acknowledge that that also sounds intense and and i don't mean that in a bad way but that i feel like that would be a place where journaling would you know really bring it home at the end of each day you know because my hard drive would reach capacity somewhere in there <laughs> if i wasn't personally journaling and that's you know one of my favorite things i go to conferences or events and i learn new things i make sure i journal that right in the moment so that I go, oh yeah, follow up with this. But then I also at night go through it and go, okay, what are some action items? What do I want to accomplish tomorrow? Yep. Totally. Right. Yep. Plenty of that needed to happen and it did. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like the, the energy level went up 
around that event you know like the neighborhood's going it's buzzing what's going on because that's for me i like to be in a room with um growth-minded people and you know that's kind of where my podcast goes i like to talk to people who talk about growth um now the final step is empower others and i think we've kind of covered that but um are there any thoughts you'd add on empower before we start to wind down here empowerment behind all the things that i said is is one one big mindset which is coaching being someone that sees themselves as a coach. And, I, and I'm not talking about me coaching someone else. I'm talking about everyone being that guide. I said that at the very beginning, you know, every every good story has a guide. And those that you're empowering, you're the coach, you're the guide to whatever degree they allow you to be. And if you're literally their leader or their parent, then you, you're the coach, you're the guide, and you have to be. <laughs> that is That is your option. You have no other option. So you might as well do a great job at it. And the five steps that I mentioned will help you to do a great job. Each of those steps comes from experts, comes from a, a process of modeling that I've that I've observed in the people that have led me. I've had really great leadership in my life and also people I've read about. And so those five steps will help you to be that great guide, that great coach for other people. So empowerment needs that mindset behind it, that coaching mindset behind it. And then it will be um, more effective that way. I love it. Now, Kyle, you're the expert at being Kyle, and I couldn't possibly anticipate everything I should ask you. Um, is there anything we haven't talked about yet that you'd like to share before we get into next steps? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think in the next step, I'll bring up the the Right Now Leadership book and website and all that. Otherwise, I appreciate the opportunity to chat, and I, and I love your journaling uh, method. I think that's so cool. You created your own freaking journal. Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> that's next level. I'm going to do a course on that, by the way. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, spoiler alert. It's surprisingly easy, <laughs> but the hardest part is what questions would I ask myself? Cause I have OCD and I don't like free form journaling. It really drives me crazy. Mm. So I created all of the structure so that every journal I have, um, when I pick it up, um, and by the way, Amazon didn't love this, but um, it's a 400 page journal. And that's, I, I literally went for this size of book, the maximum number of pages. And um, I deliberately made it hardcover because I'm usually journaling out and about, and I hate finding a hard surface to write on. Mm. So, my two cents tailor the journal to your needs. Yeah. And, you know, it's, for me, I like you, um, I used to buy journals and then they change the format or the layout or they change the style or the paper. And I'm like, ah. so now I just print my own on demand on Amazon and it costs about the same as buying journals at, at the paper store. Awesome. All right. Sorry, stationary store. Um, somebody reached out and said, are you one of those book writers? And I'm like, you mean authors? so sometimes we slip on words right um all right well you now, know what's oh. funny jeff is this idea of, of publishing something to amazon uh for kind of like your own purpose versus a mass purpose um i'm writing a book i wrote a book actually for my kids for christmas and so it's this fantasy story that involves them and it's you know 35 ish pages and i'm totally gonna go put it in amazon and, and get it printed so that they can they can have their book straight from 
from Amazon. So I, lo- I love that you've done that with your journal. That's really cool. <laughs> I love it. All right. Now, how can people, somebody's watched it. They made it through this far to the end. I'm going to guess they like Kyle and they want to get to know him better. Um, how can somebody get to know more about you and maybe figure out if you are fit to work together? Yeah, blueshirtcoaching.com is the best place to directly connect with me if you want to set up a phone call. Uh, if you want to learn more about me without talking with me, because some people aren't quite ready for that, and I get it, go to blueshirtcoaching.com slash book, and you'll learn a lot about me because in my book, Right Now Leadership, I tell a lot of stories about me, stories about my clients, and uh, all kinds of things like that. And what we covered, some of what we covered today is in that book. It's the mindsets and habits of of today's leaders And so uh, that's a great way to also get to know me. Awesome. Well, Kyle, I really enjoyed our time together. And I want to thank you for sharing the conversation about Blue Shirt Consulting. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to either click the link below or scan the QR code to register and listen to other episodes of our podcast. Or if you think your business or you would be a great guest to be on our show, we're always looking for experts in one of the nine elements of holistic wellness. We'd love to have you. You can either click the link below or you can scan the QR code and complete our speaker intake form. Thank you and to your wellness.